Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Well, good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That is my name. Thanks to my parents for that. If you are a newcomer to the program, then welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, then uh, thanks for coming back. And I hope that wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline Show from, that you're leaving a ranking or a rating or a comment or all of that uh, like Mark did. Big thanks to Mark uh, for uh, his uh, words of uh, praise on iTunes or uh, the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, others have uh, done so as well, but Mark's is the one I just read uh, a couple of days ago. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash show, you're $2 a month to get early access to all the interviews that you hear on the show. Uh, that all adds up, and uh, it really helps at a time when uh, sponsorship is, uh, well, uh, I'll be honest, it's almost completely nothing right now, as nobody is really advertising. Uh, your ongoing support uh, goes a long way for me, so uh, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. Let's get to the show this week. I just threw up the question of the week on Twitter two minutes ago, so I'm not sure if there's going to be any feedback yet, but we saw in the news this week that uh, the NHL is uh, considering putting advertising on uh, uniforms or helmets, parts of the equipment, just trying to find new uh, revenue streams. Well, I took the junior hockey uh, perspective. Because we all know that junior hockey is suffering a lot right now. These are not teams that uh, make a ton of money like uh, the NHL does. Uh, So the way I worded it was that uh, junior teams will need to find new revenue streams to help recover from the pandemic. Especially if they are going to be playing without normal ticket sales. As a fan, are you okay with European style corporate ads on equipment and sweaters? Please explain your answer. The four options I put were uh, yes, go nuts. Uh, temporarily, maybe only do it for just the one year and then get back to normal where it's the you know the, the relatively clean uniforms. Uh, limited, one logo only. Uh, so let's say, I, I don't know, I'm just going to say Air Canada, for example. You've got Air Canada all over your helmets and your sweaters, and maybe that would be at, at a league level. So every team in that, let's just use the WHL as an example, would have an Air Canada helmet, or maybe it's uh, from team to team. So Red Deer could have 
Troubled Monk, for instance, as uh, their corporate sponsor, and Edmonton could have somebody else, and WestJet could be in Calgary, and, and so on, and uh, Seattle could have Starbucks, you know? Maybe that's an idea that would work. Uh, or the final option would be, no, find another way to uh, generate revenue. Please don't uh, clutter up the uniforms uh, with uh, the European-style corporate logos. It's not NASCAR. Come on. So those are the four options right now. Yes, Go Nuts is leading uh, at 52.3% of the vote. Uh, less than 50 votes so far because literally the poll has been up for about three minutes. Uh, but very few people are saying, no, find another way. I think everybody recognizing that uh, junior hockey teams are struggling right now. Paul Figler from uh, Dub Network says, I think a single sponsor would be great. Technically, all jerseys already gave an ad for from the creators, uh, like CCM, for example. And, and that's true. Jersey manufacturer uh, has their logo on it. I, I think what I'm talking about might be a little bit more uh, predominant. But uh, you can uh, join the conversation. At TPS underscore Gee is where you can find... The poll question, you can give me a follow there as well. Seymour Sports just chimed in. Go nuts. The most successful ones are in the USHL. Typically do the most to maximize revenue. Waterloo at last check has the Pepsi logo woven into their face-off dot, for instance. So thanks to Paul and uh, Seymour for your contributions to the question. Let's get to the news and notes this week because I do have a uh, loaded guest list and want to get to uh, sharing those interviews with you uh, quickly. Uh, the World Junior Pre-Tournament schedule gets going this weekend, as a matter of fact, on Sunday, which is uh, just a few days away. All the teams are in Edmonton now and have been uh, behind closed doors for, well, must be close to five days now. Uh, on Sunday, Switzerland and the U.S. will play a uh, exhibition game, as will the Czechs and Finland. On Monday, Germany and Austria, Sweden and Canada, Slovakia and Russia. I'm not sure what the television uh, packages are for those, if they're going to be available on TSN, I did see that uh, the NHL Network will show every game of the actual tournament starting on Christmas Day for everybody in the States. That's awesome. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, TSN is doing that in Canada for every game, but uh, let's hope so. You can, And if not, then you can. I'm sure you can find a stream somewhere on the old internet machine. Lots of college hockey being played uh, continually as the NCHC bubble has been very successful few teams that have been shorthanded because of uh, guys going off to World Junior Camp and things like that, including North Dakota, but hasn't slowed them down. The Fighting Hawks beating St. Cloud yesterday 4-3 went to overtime. Minnesota Duluth and Nebraska Omaha uh, tied at 2. Northern Michigan beat Ferris State 5-4. Mercyhurst and Niagara tied yesterday. Only a couple of games today. Miami will take on the Denver Pioneers, and uh, the Carter Savoy buzz in Edmonton is uh, reaching Terrific heights, as he's off to a great start in his uh, freshman season with the Pioneers, as is uh, Michael Benning, both of them, formerly Sherwood Park Crusaders, both of them from St. Albert. Denver and Miami play on Thursday, that's today, and Ohio State and Arizona State will play today. Uh, a slew of games on Friday and even more on Saturday as uh, Hockey East joins the fray this weekend. Providence and Northeastern will start. Uh, Merrimack takes on New Hampshire, Massachusetts against Vermont, and I suppose we have to put the disclaimer, this is what's scheduled. Who knows what actually will happen? But uh, fingers crossed that uh, those games will get going. The uh, statistical leaders in the NCAA right now, three players tied with 12 points. Uh, Cole Caulfield has 12 points, including six goals. He has played 10 games, but Nick Sweeney and Shane Pinto have only played eight games. They also have 12 points. Uh, Pinto, an Ottawa Senators pick, is at North Dakota and Sweeney 
with the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. There's a good story. Dominic Bassey of the Colorado College Tigers, freshman this year, and uh, got into a, a game in relief of uh, CC's starter, but then has uh, started a couple of his own and has won both of them. So has uh, officially a 2-0 record and a sparkly 180 goals against and a 932 save percentage. So great start for Dominic Bassey, who was uh, drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. And Jack LaFontaine with the, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Started his uh, NCAA career at Michigan, but uh, left and has uh, joined the Gophers this year. He is a perfect 8-0 this season. How about this? A 965 save percentage for LaFontaine. Eight games in. And a big reason the uh, Gophers have been as good as they are so far this season. He's a third-round pick of the Carolina Hurricanes, is Jack LaFontaine. Now, quick look at the USHL standings. And uh, no surprise to see Chicago Steel leading the Eastern Conference, but uh, Fargo Force right now are technically the top team in the league with an 8.50 winning percentage and an 8-1-1 record. The Force have played 10 games. The Steel have played 11. Dubuque, uh, just one win on the season in 10 games. And uh, Lincoln and Waterloo also just one win. They've only played six games, though. But a real difference at the opposite ends of uh, the uh, division standings. Leading the way for the uh, scorers in the league, Matt Coronado of the uh, Chicago Steel has 26 points. Sean Farrell with 20 and Eric Middendorf, 18 all with the Chicago Steel. Uh, Cameron Berg and Daniel Gushin of the Muskegon Lumberjacks with uh, 16 points each. But uh, no surprise to see the Steel again leading the league in scoring as they dominated that uh, picture last year as well. Uh, news from the WHL as uh, they've pushed back well, they, they wouldn't even say they've pushed back the start date of the season, but they've, uh, you know, I think what everybody expected, uh, January 8th, not going to work. Uh, so they have not set a new start date. They're just going to leave it open and say, you know what, we can, when we can, we will, and uh, go from there. Some discussion, uh, I know Jason Greger here in Edmonton on TSN 1260 had uh, Commissioner Ron Robson on his show yesterday brought up the question of the WHL Bannon draft. It's something that we've been talking about here uh, I had the conversation with Corey Graham on his show on TSN 1260 uh, last weekend as well. Is is this not the year if you're ever going to cancel the draft for a year and uh, come back and have a 16-year-old draft to match the OHL in the queue? Is this not the perfect time to do that? As far as I know, all Bantam hockey in WHL jurisdictions, it's all on hold too. They're not playing. Dub's not playing. So why not just scrap it for this year and come back next season Drafting midget players like they do in the other two CHL leagues. Well, the commissioner on Jason Greger's show said that is at least being discussed. Uh, I am told that there is a meeting today, and it's not the first meeting on the subject. I'm not saying that the meeting today is only about the Bantam draft, but it's one of the things that's going to be talked about. But uh, to me, I, it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, you can let me know your thoughts on that, too. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore gee let's get to the uh, guest list uh, and all four of the guests that you're going to hear from today join me courtesy the troubled monk hotline the tap room well it's been converted to a uh, boutique right now at troubled monk you can go in in red deer and uh, lots of merchandise and apparel that you can pick up just in time for christmas i've got some new toques they're quite comfortable my uh th and there's several different varieties I've got the classic black toque, and my kids have a different version with a pom-pom on top and stuff. I thought I would look a little goofy wearing a pom-pom. So. 
But uh, they've got some great-looking hoodies and uh, T-shirts and hats and of course, everything that you want uh, they've got at the boutique at Troubled Monk. And, of course, still doing home delivery. You get your order in. It's now 8 a.m., so uh, do it the night before, and you'll get it the day after. Unless you're an early bird and you're getting up at 6 o'clock and thinking uh, about beer, get your order in by 8 a.m. at troubledmonk.com. Use the promo code PIPELINE, and that delivery right to your door will come at no extra cost. doesn't matter if you're uh, buying a six-pack or you're buying four flats and a couple bottles of adequate vodka and uh, a whole whack of uh, ginger ale sodas or whatever other soda flavors that you enjoy. It's all craft beverages worth sharing, so you might want to check that out at troubledmonk.com. you got to live between Calgary or St. Albert. Anywhere along Highway 2, basically, they're going to take care of you and uh, deliver it to you, whether you're in Leduc or Lacombe or Olds or Carstairs or Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, St. Albert, and Sherwood Park. If you have any questions, if you're just slightly off Highway 2 or 2A, give them a call and see if uh, they have the ability to bring it to you. Because I know Sylvan Lake is on their list, not exactly right on Highway 2, but not that far from Red Deer. So might be an exception there, but you might want to give them a call at Troubled Monk and uh, inquire. All right, the guests you're going to hear from today, continuing on with our look ahead to the World Junior Championship. Uh, last week, we looked at Team Sweden. The week before that, it was Team USA. Today, we're going to do the other three big countries. We'll start with the Russians, Slava Malamud, uh, who lives in Washington, D.C., but uh, he is a Russian expat and uh, always my guest at this time of year to look to the Russians and gives a, gives a great preview on that team for this year. Then we'll chat with uh, Pete Labardius, who really needs no introduction, longtime broadcaster here and uh, a big follower of junior hockey. He obviously helps uh, take a look closely at Team Canada. Yoni Niemann, good friend of mine who lives just outside of Edmonton. He will be at the World Junior Championship taking it in. Team Finland is his baby and gives a, a great preview of uh, that squad. And we will end this week's episode uh, chatting with a uh, former WHL guy who made his NHL debut last season in his first year as a professional hockey player and uh, spent the uh, first three months of uh, what would be the 2021 season uh, playing in Switzerland. His name is Brandon Hagel. He was a uh, outstanding player with the Red Deer Rebels. We will close out the show today with a conversation with him. But we will start things off looking ahead at the World Junior Championship, Team Russia in the spotlight next with Slava Malamud here on the Pipeline Show. My name is Klim Kostin from Team Russia. Trying to drop it back. That was Klim Kostin. Read the play and intercepted for Russia. Pavel Konikov. Shots off the skate. Goes to Kostin. Russia scores. It bounced right to Klim Kostin. And it's time. This is the Pipeline Show. Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with. If one of y'all 
says some silly ass name, this whole class is gonna feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of bitch. It's the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. We'll continue on this week's episode. Uh, we'll start looking ahead to the World Junior Championship. Uh, well, recently we talked about Team Sweden and Team USA, but uh, today and uh, we're going to talk about three different countries. Uh, we'll start with Team Russia, and that means uh, a great opportunity for me to catch up with uh, Slava Malamud, who uh, it seems like I only have you on once a year, Slava, but I should have you on more because I always enjoy the conversation. But uh, when it comes to... Uh, Team Russia, you're the inside man for me. Thanks for doing this again. Welcome back to the program, and how are things in Washington? Oh, I'm your grumpy Russian Santa who comes in once a year in December bearing the bags of uh, people with names ending in of and talking about how our offense is great and our defense is not so good. <laughs> our well, defense gets a lump of coal. <laughs> do you think... Well, you know, on the surface, is is that kind of how you would sum up this year's team as well, or is it uh, a little bit different this year? Well, it's kind of. I mean, this this year we obviously have a tremendous goaltending, which is not really all that uh, all that rare. I mean, the Russians do have good goaltending sometimes, and yeah, the defense is always, is always a bit of a, a bit of a pain because you know all Russians. All Russian kids grow up wanting to be Pavel Bure hmm. and Alex Ovechkin nowadays, and uh, not a lot of lot, 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 lot of little aspiring Sergey Gonchars and uh, and Zubovs <laughs> out there. So. All right, well, let's start uh, looking at the team by looking at the coach, and we were just chatting about it before we started uh, the interview. That this is the first time, and it seems like it's 15 years that, at least that uh, Valery Bragan not the head coach. This time it's uh, Igor Larionov. Uh, who is obviously well known on this side of the ocean? Yeah. How how is that going to change this team and and the way it feels on the ice? Will we notice a difference? Well, it's, it's it's very interesting because obviously two very very different people, very different approaches. Um, Bragan um, was kind of a brooding genius uh, of, of youth hockey. He's always had his own ideas about how to build a team and whom whom to play where. Where he always played his uh, cards very close to the vest. A strict disciplinarian, very much in the Soviet tradition of coaching, but with a proven track record of success. And uh, Larionov is a more approachable, more Western-style guy. Um, obviously, spent a lot of time in North America when, in, when he was a he was a legend of Soviet hockey. He made a name for himself off the ice, but, you know, for kind of fighting for players, right? Players, right? So you can expect him to be probably more of a player's type of coach. More of a um, maybe a softer touch, um, and of course he's also known as a very cerebral type of guy. I mean, he he values um, uh, he values people who can think on the ice. He values people who are creative in their approaches, which shouldn't be a problem in Russia. There's always lots of creativity out there, mm-hmm. and uh, not not necessarily your uh, bruising type of forward who could rough it up in the corners and and and, and forecheck, but. Uh, it, that's not to say that he's not going to be able to evaluate that talent and, and, and work well with that. But it's it's his big, it's his first real serious coaching assignment in the limelight. Uh, it's it's a very big limelight to to uh, to shine on someone like like this. And uh, it will be very interesting to see how he performs. And this is not gonna, and this is going to be so hard for him because this year is just so different. All the normal. Mm-hmm evaluating tools he's had out of the window. There, there was no um, 
the Super Series was canceled, obviously. They had to send the U20 team to the Karyala Cup, the finish leg of the, of the Euro Hockey Tour, just so, just so Glorionov could have some kind of a look at, at, at those guys. Right. I mean, that was the, his only way to even look at them in a game situation. And they, of course, performed quite well right. at the Karyala at Cup. That was quite sensational. Not sure whether to attribute to this to Larionov or just to the fact that Russia has pretty good youngsters this year. Uh, but uh, that was impressive. But that was just three games. And uh, who knows what's going to happen once they're in Edmonton. Slava Malamud, my guest. Uh, we look at <laughs> Team Russia. Um, we see in other countries having players who uh, have been become not eligible to play because of uh, the COVID situation yep. for them. <laughs> Has there been any instances like that for Team Russia that you're aware of? There were, there were. Uh, oh, first of all, uh, we had a we, we had a def, uh, defenseman, uh, Artemi Knazev, who who missed the Euro Tour because of coronavirus, but now he is, of course, supposedly immune, at least negative, and you know he can play. Um, and uh, because of that, you know, this is the same situation as Nikita Sedov, who did play in Finland, is out. Okay. So we had we had a COVID out, COVID in situation yeah. <laughs> in defense. Um, but it's not nowhere near to the outbreak that you know Sweden had. I don't think Russia is going to have, and which is kind of surprising to me because. The way Russia has approached the coronavirus situation has been quite cavalier, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I, I look at the game, at the KHL games, and everybody is just cheerfully ignoring all the social distance regulations. Mm-hmm. There's no mask to be seen. Uh, they're just pretending like it doesn't exist and everything is fine. But, you know, within the teams, they're probably doing it a little bit more strictly than you know, the fans. And, and you know, a lot of these guys are from uh, from the, uh, play in the MHL, and you know they, frankly, you know, five people on the stand, so who cares? Right. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, R- Russia has not really been known for, for its uh, for very strictly following regulations. It's like it's like America, basically. And I'm surprised that there's not a more widespread issue. But apparently there isn't, so good. Yeah, I was I was surprised I didn't hear more about uh, more issues as well. Um, you mentioned goaltending. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov obviously going to be the starting netminder for this team. It wasn't a great tournament for him last year, so he mm-hmm. here's a guy who comes in probably with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Fair to say? Oh yeah, but for a goalie, one year of experience means a whole lot, mm-hmm. and. That's the year that he hasn't exactly been idle, uh, despite the coronavirus. I mean, he's, uh, he's had lots of top-notch playing experience in the KHL. Uh, he is considered to be probably the best Russian uh, goalie in the junior since Vasilevsky. And if you remember back to Vasilevsky's time, he had a kind of a checkered tournament. It was, <laughs> it was in and out between him and Makarov right. in that back then. And, and that especially the game versus Canada, which was wild. Uh, but still, I mean, that's that's a very high praise for Askarov. Uh, I mean, it's very rare to see a goalie in the juniors play the entire tournament. So we'll probably see uh, we'll probably we'll probably see Skotnikov from Seiska in a game or two, maybe even Achtyamov from uh, from Akbars. Who knows? But it's definitely Askarov's net. It's definitely, I mean, he, he, and he is, I, I, I would even venture as far as saying that he's probably the number one trump card 
in the Russia's bet. And this is the this is the guy who is going to take him to the gold if they are to win gold against this absolutely stupendously good Canadian team who's going to be playing at home. <laughs> So if if that happens, that's going to be a an Askarov. He's going to have to be good, which he is capable of being. Let's look at the uh, the blue line. As you said, uh, sometimes can be problematic for uh, for Team Russia. Usually, uh, the the forwards are good enough to uh, compensate for any shortcomings on the blue line. But uh, does this yeah. defensive group uh, look better than usual, or how would you uh, describe them as a whole? I mean, it's, it's a it's a decent group. Uh, one thing, one name that jumps out at me is Jan Kuznetsov from UConn. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Bragan even knew that you know there are colleges in America that play <laughs> hockey. I mean, it's like, this is definitely this is definitely Larionov stamp on the team. Two guys from UConn from yeah. NCAA, <laughs> and actually, I mean they've played games this year. Maybe like only two or three, but they have played games this year, which is a big plus. Unlike the CHL. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, you have that uh, bonus going for them, and uh, you know there's a couple of guys from the queue as well, uh, which of course Larionov as a as a former agent is quite well familiar with that talent pool. So that's interesting. Uh, I I mean Chaika is from Seiska is probably going to be uh, paired up with uh, with Knyazev, so, uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, that seems like a good combination. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple of guys from uh, from the eastern part of the KHL, Muhammadulin and Chistakov. I don't get to see them as much because you know, well, Chistakov plays in avant-garde, so they play in Moscow. But Muhammadulin, uh, I mean, both of them play in the eastern in in the Eastern Conference, which is uh, time-wise is very difficult to follow. Hmm. Um, but I think Muhammadulin is probably a first pair of defensemen. He's pretty good. But uh, I looked at this defensive line, line lineup, and uh, I kind of shudder to think what, what what the Canadians might do with it. It, it seems a little soft to me. Okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, if Askarov if Askarov can uh, can come by, can come up big, that's that's going to be that's going to probably be the number one factor that Russia succeeds. You mentioned uh, Shakira Mahmoudoul, and he has. Nine points in the the KHL this year, which is more points than Vasily Podkolzin has. Does that say more about <laughs> one guy than the other? What should we take away from that? <laughs> well, Podkolzin plays on ska, which means that you know he's probably not as high in <laughs> time and ice category yeah. as Mohamedouin is with Salavati Live. But it also tells you about the fact that the offensive mentality that a lot of these Russian defensemen have. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean he's uh, he's definitely uh, an offensive threat. Uh, he's got he's got the skill to succeed maybe in, in a power play. Um, but I don't necessarily look at this defense and I, and, and think about well, geez, how many points are they going to score? Right. I look at this defense and I think how many points are they going to prevent right. <laughs> the Canadians to score? And you know. But hey, you know what? Uh, as the same Russia, sometimes uh, you you gotta play, you gotta allow the team to score as many goals as they can, while we score as many goals as we want. Maybe that's going to be the situation that Russia is gonna is gonna look at. I mean, we're just gonna outscore you guys. Well, and they have a lot of talent up front to do that, uh, and it starts probably with uh, sure. Vasily Pokolzin as well as Rodion Amarov and uh, and. Marat Kuznetinov, right? Uh, that that those yeah. those three guys should be uh, the, the leaders for Team Russia. 
Yeah, Husnudinov, uh, Husnudinov and Podkolzin are going to anchor a top line, and Afanasia from Seiska is probably going to be playing with them. Because um, I'm just going by how how the uh, lines were um, uh, assembled at the Karyala Cup. Okay. And uh, and Afanasiev looked very good with Husnudinov, with Husnudinov and Podkolzin. Some of these names are not even easy for me to pronounce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Marat Husnudinov. I should because you know. Uh, my kids are half Tatar, so I should be better at Tatar names. But okay. Sometimes, sometimes they are they're uh, <laughs> they're not easy. But yeah, I mean he's a he's a good player. But Colson is obviously lots of talent. He's going to be the captain of the team. Uh, strangely enough, Kuznodinov and Podkolzin are not playing on the same line stuff. In Petersburg, which is coached by Bragan, hmm. uh, but Larionov is using them together, and they're looking great together. So that's what's going to be the line at Locat. And uh, we see a couple of Q guys who are probably going to be a third, fourth line in there. We see uh, uh, Groshev from Ska, very good. Safonov from Akbars. Uh, Chinakov, uh, who is from Avangard. Uh, everybody expected him to be on the same line with Gritsuk, also from Avangard. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lorionov put him in the second line with Groshev and Safonov, and he looked great. And uh, probably because Gritsuk is just not as good as, as Chinakov is, and it just probably uh, doesn't look as good on that on either, on either end of that line. So um, that, again, shows you that uh, Larionov, he's not looking at how they play in the club. He's not looking at these, you know, within the team, within the club, team KHL, team chemistry. He's looking at who is going to work together with the guys he's got. He's got his own game plan. He's not going to be just, you know, okay, well, you guys are on the same team, so we're going to just keep that line, keep that chemistry together. Mm. It's a bit of a different approach. This is more of an NHL approach, a Western approach, you know. <laughs> I have my system. You guys are going to play my system. I don't care what you do in your club. Uh, that's interesting to me, and it did work on, on the Coriola Cup great. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you mentioned uh, it's home ice for, for Team Canada, but with no fans uh, and really it's going to be empty buildings pretty much. Mm-hmm. Does that change things? It, it is, is there a home ice advantage anymore? Well, the smaller rinks does change things. I mean, I know they're all used to it. They all, they, all, they all played on the smaller rinks before in one situation or another, but it does change things a lot, and it's faster, and it's a, it's a faster game. It's a more physical game. Um, you know, and with uh, only about only a few guys from uh, from North America in this in this lineup, and they're not necessarily the best players on the team. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an adjustment, of course. And uh, you know, Canada as always brings it. Uh, and Canadians are kind of notorious for playing their a hockey at home, fans or no fans. Uh, it's always kind of been the hallmark of Canadian teams that you know, when at some home ice, they really show who they are. And I mean, I'm always, I'm just, I'm kind of fixating on the Canadian team. It's not just going to be the Canadians who are going to be a tough challenge in this in this tournament. But uh, this is kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, going into the uh, going into the World Juniors, we always look at Russia versus Canada, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> and, but that's where I was going to go next was that maybe we are forgetting about <laughs> probably three other countries with Finland, uh, but in the in the B pool. With uh, Russia are both Sweden and the United States, so it's not going to be an easy pool. But I For think sure. a lot of people would say the Russians are probably the best in that pool. Would you agree, or do you think there's uh, 
or Sweden or the United States uh, will give Russia a challenge uh, in the in the uh, round robin. Oh, Sweden is so strange right now with the coronavirus situation. Right. Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, I mean, this is going to be a team that I I just probably would take off the board if I if I were a better. I have no idea what's going to happen with them. How they're going to adjust to this sudden and probably not well. <laughs> it's not something that they were counting on. Uh, the United States is, is always a tough opponent. Uh, they always have lots of skills, and lots of skill, and they have, always have uh, players who are well-adjusted to playing in these situations. All, of course, a lot of these players have been brought up together through the system. They're almost like the old Soviet system, right? When mm-hmm. they play with each other until the age of 16, they know the, all, all those lines basically remain unchanged through the U18s, through the U20s. This team is, uh, you know, this team is like team chemistry. They're good. Uh, but uh, I honestly think that there are top two lines in Russia and Askarov, who definitely, I mean, it's hard to predict with a 2002 player who is basically who is, who is 18 years old. I mean, how are you going to predict how he's going to play, especially with goalies? But in as much as it is possible to project He's probably the best goalie in this tournament. He should probably do extremely well. And if we uh, have Russia being successful in this tournament, it's going to be him, first and foremost, and the top two lines, a.k.a. what else is new. (laughs) (laughs) This is is how Russia rolls. (laughs) Any reason to think that uh, Russia won't be uh, on the podium and very high? Could be, as you said, a a Canada-Russia final. If it does happen, uh, no. First of all, I mean the logistics of this tournament have been a mess. You, you've, you've probably heard how the issues they had even trying to get out of Finland, yeah. with three teams being uh, jammed into one plane and you know their baggage not fitting. Who knows what's going to happen once they arrive? What other unexpected situations might occur? Uh, so there's always that to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, and again, uh, testing in Russia and. Uh, following the guidelines in Russia is pretty lax. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had nasty surprises once they arrived. Hmm. Um, If things do go badly, uh, it could be because Oskarov is not uh, up to to the challenge, which is not because he's a bad goalie, but because he's young and because, you know, goalies are notoriously unpredictable. But the problem is the drop-off at that position is rather drastic for us this year. Rather drastic. So if, if they have to play either one of the two backups, it's just not going to be the same team. So that, uh, I mean, as usual, goaltending, go I mean, you live and die with it. That's true. That's very true. Uh, all right. Well, we obviously won't be able to uh, attend the games. Nobody will be able to attend the games. Uh, but I imagine you'll be watching from uh, where you are in Washington, D.C.? For sure, of course. I mean, what's what's more fun than uh, <laughs> this time of the year than the World Juniors? Yeah, and when I mean, the... Canadians and Russians get it, nobody else does, but we get it. <laughs> well, the, the Swedes and the Finns might uh, argue with you a little bit, and the, the, there's there's a lot of hockey fans in the states. Heck, you're in the you're in the capital's yeah. backyard. The Finns, they, we should stop looking past the Finns. They've been amazing at the youth hockey and the youth hockey and junior hockey, U18 hockey lately. I mean, they they've proven that they belong. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Slava, I really appreciate your time once again. Uh, have a safe uh, and uh, fun Christmas, and uh, maybe we'll uh, chat again before next year's tournament, but probably not. You're right. You're, you're, you're the Russian Santa. 
<laughs> All right, thank you. And happy holidays. There's Slava Malamud, who, uh, man, I always have a good time when I'm uh, chatting with him. I like following him on Twitter, too. We didn't get into politics. He certainly does uh, on his uh, Twitter feed. If it's not hockey, it's uh, politics. And uh, likes to ruffle feathers. Bit of a uh, Twitter troll, but somewhat of a good-natured way. Um, but I uh, appreciate his help looking at the Russians. And one guy we didn't really talk a whole lot about, but I'm interested to see how he does at an event like this, is uh, Igor uh, Shinohov, who the Columbus Blue Jackets kind of surprised everybody uh, by taking in the first round. Certainly had a lot of people uh, wondering who the heck this guy was that uh, you know might have been ranked more of a third, fourth rounder, uh, but they took him in the first round. Looks like a Chinakov. You heard Slava pronounce it as uh, Shinohov. So I'm intrigued to, to see how he does on this sort of a stage. I think uh, obviously we're expecting uh, Kuznodinov and Amirov to be leaders as well as Podkolzin. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm still on the waiting to see side uh, for Podkolzin because the production just hasn't been there. Although, you know, this uh, Karyala Cup performance by this squad against men was pretty darn impressive. So uh, this is a, a team that uh, they might get to Edmonton here and just uh, surprise everybody. And maybe surprise isn't the right word because I, I fully expect this is a team that's on the podium when it's all said and done. Could even be in the gold medal game. Could win the whole thing. The Russians are uh, always a bit of a mystery, but you can always expect them to be uh, very, very competitive. And I don't think this year will be any different. Uh, obviously, goaltending is fantastic. Although, again, Askarov didn't, to have the greatest tournament last year so still some question marks but you would have to think he's going to be pretty motivated uh, to have a good uh, good tournament this year up next we will look at closer up next we will look closely at the host team that would be team canada and uh, my friend pete labardius longtime broadcaster did a lot of uh, work with the chl across the years and a uh, big fan of the whl and i'll tell you right now knocks it out of the park when we're looking at team canada that's next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort! by Kirby Doc, and the Blades have opened the scoring in Game 2 in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a real dark side to it. Tell us more, bud. A world award-winning brown ale, Open Road. Ale that will have you asking yourself why you've avoided dark beers all these years. Roasty and delicious. Play with comparable Zidane Chara. Dependable and solid and not to be looked past. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer and get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. 
It's the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we'll continue on with our World Junior uh, preview, and we'll look at Team Canada a lot closer. I know we did it a few weeks back as well with Cam Moon, who was uh, at the camp in Red Deer before it was shut down. Uh, now, two or three weeks later, uh, they're all everybody is in isolation and uh, in the Edmonton bubble with games slated to start on Canada Day. To uh, help me look at Team Canada, the one and only Peter Labardius. Uh, Lou, welcome back to the Pipeline Show, pal. How are you? I am excellent and always a pleasure to uh, be on your program. And the only question I have for you, seeing where you are currently located, is how do I sneak into that building for <laughs> the next three weeks? That's a great question. Uh, I, I, I would do anything, honestly. I, I would do absolutely anything to find my way into that building to be able to uh, – to, to watch this event. Now, is that because you're starving for so, to watch some live hockey or just because you no. like the World Juniors this much? No, I, I, I love the World Junior. I, uh, you know, I make no bones about it. Never have. You know, international hockey and international sports is, you know, as much a passion for me as, as absolutely anything. So I, I've been in love with this tournament in its own respect since Wayne Gretzky's group all the way back in 1978. So... Um, yeah, I love it. And it's, and it's funny because in some ways I feel like in our country and I get it, you know, times have changed the way things are consumed. Um, you know, I, I feel like for, for a certain group of people, the tournament has lost its luster mm-hmm. and, and I understand in part why, um, you know, for it's, it doesn't probably have the same cachet for some as maybe it used to. But I will say this, my friend, the competition in this tournament, I don't think it's ever been better. And even if you look at the series of championship finals or the final fours, the last even decade, I don't think from a hockey standpoint, it's ever been more competitive with, I mean, how many, how many great finals now at that tournament has there been in a row? Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, the competitive level, you know, it really is. As hockey has become much more global, and it's not just Canada and Russia anymore, and throw the Swedes in there, but you know, Finland's been really, really. It's become, to mm-hmm. me, at least a five-team tournament. Add the Americans and the Finns in, and then every once in a while, you get a sprinkling of, uh-oh, Switzerland is suddenly upsetting people, or the Czechs, or you know, what there seems to be a team. Every year that starts to throw a wrench into the mix a, a little bit. Germany could be them, that team this year, although they, they've taken a blow here with some COVID kids. But uh, to me, it's it's there's a, a level of unpredictability in a tournament that used to be pretty predictable. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And However, you know, for a lot longer than I think um, people generally think about, you know, even if you go all the way back to – I'd, I'd actually say since the early 2000s, understanding that, you know, you go back to 2005 for, for Canada and that run. But the one thing I say about this tournament is, you know, even in stretches where our country has won, you know, five tournaments in a row, whether, you know, you go back to um, the 90s or whether you go back to that, you know, stretch that started in 2005. I mean, each and every year, what I always like to point out at this time of year 
is the incredible finite nature between winning and losing. Mm -hmm. I mean, rarely, rarely when you think back to all those years, you know, obviously we can point to the Everly situation in 2009. Um, you, you know, you think about what the team in 2006 did, you know, in Brent Sutter's second year, a real underdog group that, you know, upset the Russians. Um, you know, 2007 is the shootout against the Americans in the semifinal and go on and on and on. I, I could list your whole show as far as going all the way back to just, you know, depending on the country and who wins and who loses, you know, the finite nature. You go to Buffalo in 2011 and there's Canada, you know, with a 3 nothing lead in the third and the Russians come back with five. And then last year. You know, Canada with less than 10 minutes to go is down 3-1 to, you know, I think a great Russian team, a team that I, you know, reflecting back, and I think I've watched that gold medal game more than I could share probably five times now, um, you know, which has been somewhat COVID-related for sure. But, you know, just incredible hockey games, um, you know, junior hockey in so many ways at its finest because of some of that unpredictability. So, um that's that's one of the things that I love about it. And as you pointed out, yes, it really has become, you know, a five team type scenario, depending on the year. And even, you know, in 2012, the Calgary Edmonton tournament, the last one, you know, think about the upset that the Czechs pulled off mm -hmm. to knock out the Americans. So, you know. Always drama, always intrigue, and at the end of the day, there have been a lot of overtimes and, you know, incredible games in the final four, and especially in the final. Pete, you're such a historian of the game. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but you mentioned the Gretzky uh, era uh, for the World Junior Championship. That's when they were wearing the, uh, the the Canadian jersey that had the blue logo. Do you have any blue. idea? Yeah, remember the, the head? It was all like the old Canada Cup sort of maple leaf, but it was blue. Do you have any idea why they went with a blue maple leaf? You, you know what? I I knew you were going there as you started that process, and <laughs> I remember so many players on that team, numbers that they wore and, you know, where they finished in the tournament and, you know, the great Russian team that ended up winning it. Um, you know, I vividly remember Wayne's six-point game against then Czechoslovakia, but, you know, Ernie Punch McLean was the coach. Um, no, I do not. Okay. I, it does not strike me why that group wore blue. Well, if anybody knows, you can uh, let us know on uh, on Twitter or something. They can tweet yeah. at us and yeah. fill us in on what the decision there was. All right, let's look at the Canadians' roster for this year's uh, World Junior Championship uh, tournament. Uh, we'll start with the head coach and Bear Turney, the uh, head coach of the Ottawa 67s. And uh, if the old adage is true about how a team takes on the identity of their coach, what sort of identity is this team going to have? Well, you know, I've been lucky enough to have spent lots of time with Andre over the years, not as much obviously in the last six or seven, but certainly in the time when, um, you know, I was doing national junior games on television for all those years, you mm -hmm. know, got to know Andre. And, um, you know, the thing about Andre that I've always admired is he's a great communicator. He's incredibly passionate. And I think, I think he more than anything um, he's an excellent teacher, and, and I truly believe in this day and age where 
times have changed, you know, kids have changed, generations always change. I just think he is an excellent mix between, you know, knowing when it's time to put your foot down, being in charge, but it, it's not it's not something that he doesn't do well in terms of communication. And I think a great example of that is, you know, think about early in the camp in Red Deer, how he handled the cousins and Doc being late situation for practice. Mm -hmm. You know, he was stern, he handled it. Um, And the people who either know him a lot better than I do, or like my good friend, Sam, um, you know, I had a great conversation this summer in preparation with the draft with assistant coach Mitch Love, who just absolutely raves about what an unbelievable coach, what a great man he is. So um, I, I'm really excited. I, you know, at this point, as much as I cheer for my country, which I do with all vim and vigor and everything, um, you know, I really like I, I like this coaching staff. I'm a massive fan of Al Miller, the GM. So this this an easy group to like, and and I think I think we're in really really good hands with Andre at the helm, and certainly last year, and you know whether he was leading our country to a gold medal at the Holenka in Edmonton a couple of years ago with a lot of this age group, and I guess you know to to go back just for a second if I can, that's another thing I like about the coaching staff led by Andre is you know in coaching that team. He is so familiar with so many of the players mm-hmm. on this roster as a result of either being an assistant coach last year or coaching that Halenka team, the 2018 version. And I, and I think, you know, that is not only great in terms of your leadership, but equally as important when you're trying to get the most out of the people that actually win and lose games. Pete, let's get into the roster itself. We'll, we'll go by position. We'll start with the forwards. And I, I don't know about how you feel, but to me, this might be the deepest team since 2005. Uh, and when it comes to the forward group, there is, there, it's, it's all killer, no filler on this team. Uh, every, every guy on the forward group and they have an expanded roster this year, but all 14 forwards, man, this is quite the lineup. Yeah, I, I don't disagree for a second um, in regards to your opening statement, my friend. I do. I, I think, listen, um, you know, I've been asked a few times the last few weeks, whether it's on social media or in interviews like this, how do you compare the group? And and could this be, you know, the next best Canadian team since 05? Well, you know, we know a lot about what happened not only in 2005, but let's not kid anybody. One of the reasons that team is so highly, you know, looked at is because of, you know, the makeup and what a lot of those players have gone on to do mm-hmm. after that tournament with, uh, that I was lucky enough to see every second of in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, I love this forward group. I, I truly do think it's, it's as deep as maybe any at this point. It has star power. It has depth. Um, it has four lines, I think, that can score. It has size. Um, you know, it has versatility. I love the group. And, and again, understanding, ye that, you know, they went to Red Deer with an expanded group because of the situation. Mm-hmm. But when someone like Shane Wright and some of the other players that were even, you know, day one cuts, 
in in regular or more routine type of years, no chance a lot of those guys that, you know, didn't even make it past that stage. Yeah. They'd be on the team and probably play prominent roles. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, down the middle, everywhere, even expanded. Um, you know, I tweeted out last week in regards to, you know, two Flames prospects that I obviously have some great interest in, and Pelche and Zeri. And making this group, it's always a monumental make and means everything. But finding your way into that group of 14 forwards, that is some accomplishment right there. That's that's how I feel about that group. To your point, I mean, a guy like Adam Beckman leads the WHL in scoring. He's not on the team. Seth Jarvis, who was a top 15 pick, he's not on the team. And it's you can't really look at that and say it was a mistake that they're not just because of how deep this forward group is. Uh, it's a it's a really impressive group, and if you know if somebody's going to ask me who's going to be the leading scorer on this team, I have no idea because there's there's 15, 16 options, and they all you can make an argument for that many guys. You can. I, I'm not sure that we need to go. Probably, if he's at his best, much farther than you know Kirby Doc or Dylan Cousins. Um, you know, Doc showed us in the summertime in the bubble in the same place in his hometown being from Fort Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. you know, what he was capable of in an NHL playoff series. And let's not get anybody. Um, He more than held his own in that upset victory over the Edmonton Oilers as an 18 year old centerman with some very, very difficult matchups. So, you know, and he even demonstrated in the last, two games, you know, four points in the second last game. And, um, you know, in their second game in Red Deer, I thought he was clearly the best player for Team Canada. So um, probably start there. Cousins, who had the nine points last year. And the thing I've always loved about Dylan, you know, of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, soon to be of the Buffalo Sabres, is he's starting with, you know, a late call-up to Lethbridge in his 15-year-old season. Um, you know, he had eight points in those Western Hockey League playoffs. You have to be special, and it matters a lot to me when guys can A, do it early, do it in the playoffs, and, you know, Dylan has constantly shown when the big stage is available and the lights are bright, this guy seems to be at his best. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the, the back end, and uh, for me, it starts with Bowen Byram and might be the best defenseman in the entire tournament, but again, this group is very, very deep. Maybe only the Swedes have as capable of a blue line as Team Canada. That's my opinion. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, blue line core? Well, I'd start with Byram, who was really good last year in the gold medal winning performance. I just see him in a very different situation this time one of the greatest performances gee i've ever witnessed from a defenseman for canada at the world junior even though they lost to the americans in that shootout in 2017 was thomas shabbat and and i have a feeling um you know he might not have to be for this group what shabbat was in 2017 where he was you know, I think he probably played 45 minutes in that overtime shootout game against the Americans. Right. Was the tournament MVP. Uh, I just, I think Bowen's going to explode. I, I absolutely do. Um, I love this defensive core. And, and even one of the big takeaways for me 
in what we could watch in Red Deer in the early days of the camp. I don't know about you. He looked like he was having the time of his life. Yeah. He was incredibly invested on every shift, had a smile on his face, was unbelievably intense. And, you know, you don't always necessarily find that early in a camp from a player who, needless to say, you know, didn't go to Red Deer wondering if he was going to be on the team. So he's going to be one of the leaders of this group on and off the ice, and I do. Um, while last year was good for Bowen Byram, I, I think I think his coming out party in some respects will really be staged in Edmonton. And as far as the whole group, I uh, really like the whole group. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Drysdale, his poise, his smarts, his skating ability, the reason he was taken um, again last year at 17 years of age in his first World Junior. You know, not huge minutes, but never looked out of place. So a great looking, at least to begin with. Um, top pairing, you come back with Thomas Harley, who, like many, Guy, the, the one similarity um, for, for guys like Harley and Krebs and, and Byram and players, you know, that spent time in the bubble with their respective NHL teams, I thought in the early going of this camp, they looked like you could tell. So, you know, I, I love the big three. Then you round it out with, you know, Korzak, Schneider, um, Spence, the rest of the group. And then an, an intriguing guy for me is Justin Barron, who had all of those injury problems, mm-hmm. um, has found his way onto the group. People seem to be raving about him. Absolutely love his skating ability. You know, before the injuries and a tough last season, um, you know, when I watched him in Edmonton at the Holinka, yeah. understanding that he wouldn't be eligible until the year before, you're like, I'll be shocked if this guy isn't like a top 10 or top 15 guy. Yeah. So I, I like the group. I, I do. It's got a lot of versatility. It's It's got what I think is is a rock-solid top three you've got Cooley is a great skater plays with an edge um Schneider who you know depending on his utilization kind of reminds me of of Travis Hamanick and might be in that same type of role that Travis found himself in in the 2010 tournament in Saskatoon um yeah that's again you know doesn't quite rank for me where that unbelievable group of forwards is but yeah Generally, when Canada wins this event, their decor really, really matters, and and this is a good group there too. Yeah, lots of size, and uh, and Baron, as you mentioned, that Holika Gretzky Cup in 2018 didn't look out of place as an underage guy on that squad. Let's go to the goaltending. If there's a question mark at all on this roster, it might be there, and only because not to say that they're not capable, they just haven't done it yet. But Dylan Grand, Taylor Goche, Devin Levi, uh, that's the trio Canada has. Uh, with them uh, into Edmonton. Uh, what do you make of this uh, trio? Do you see a clear-cut starter, or do you see a case where there might be uh, you know, a couple of games for maybe all three of them get into action? How do you see it? I, I don't think there's a clear-cut starter. Now, you know, haven't had the luxury yet. Certainly well into really, really good pre-tournament games coming up against the Swedes and the Russians, which will be a fabulous way for this group to get ready and and help Team Canada decide who at least their opening day guy is. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, 
Devin Levi, who I haven't seen a lot. I did watch him, you know, on television, you know, really have a great World Junior A Challenge last year in Dawson Creek, where without him, Canada East would probably never had a prayer in that game that goes to double overtime against the Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good group. It's a good group of three. Guy, I could see a very similar situation to last year where somebody's going to distinguish themselves and probably already has in some ways in, in practices and, and all the drills that we don't have, you know, the liberty or the ability to watch. Right. But would I be shocked if we saw a situation, um, you know, like we did last year with Nico Dawes and then Joel Hofer comes in. However, here's, here's part of Canada's concern, at least the way I see it. Um, you know, before you get to the fins in the round robin, I'm not even sure, you know, how much the Canadian group will be tested. Yep. And that's, and that, I'm not disrespecting anybody else. I mean, last year, they were in what I would call the pool of death. Now they've given way to the Swedes to be in the same kind of situation that they are. Because remember last year, they're in that unbelievable pool of the Czechs and the Americans. Um, and the Russians. Now it's the Swedes' turn, and Canada is basically this year exchanged spots. So one of the concerns, you know, whether, and we're talking about goalies, so I should just stay there, is you might not need a really good goaltending performance. Certainly you probably will against the Finns on, on New Year's Eve, even though I'm not sure this is the best Finn group that we've seen in the last number of years. Mm-hmm. But I know this. Come the semifinal on January the fourth, barring something unforeseen, um, you're going to need those guys then. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all. Now, looking at the roster, only five of the players have played any games here since last March, uh, whenever they got shut down. Four guys out of the queue, and Dylan Holloway with two games with Wisconsin. Is that a concern? Because uh, most of the European teams, and even uh, a lot of the American players. I had a, a few games before with their college teams. Is that a concern at all? It's not. It's not perfect by any stretch. And the reason that they started camp in the first place before it got shut down and the kids had to go into quarantine for two weeks was for that very reason, as you know, because it was their way of trying to, you know, even the playing field and more importantly, just just get people playing and back into action. Um, I always felt, even with the shutdown, that one of the advantages, and I reflect back, Guy, to 2005, uh, people laugh sometimes when I say this, but one of the great memories I had of that 05 experience was a practice that that group staged in Gimli, Manitoba, right before they headed to Grand Forks. To this day, it might be the greatest hockey practice I've ever seen okay. because that un- because that unbelievable group of people, Brent Sutter put them through an hour worth of battle drills. Hmm. And so why I'm making that a comparative piece right now is this group is so good and so talented that I think even in practice on a day-to-day basis because of that, I think that will allow this group to potentially get up to speed sooner 
because of even the internal competition than might be the case in other years, even with this circumstance. Now, time will only tell, but obviously it's something that I've thought about, and and I think they will benefit from that understanding that, yes, in comparison to other countries, yes, they're at a bit of a disadvantage. Interesting. Uh, Just a couple more questions for you, Pete, before uh, I let you go. Uh, No fans in attendance, heck, no scouts even uh, for the NHL clubs, pretty much empty buildings. Uh, Is there a home ice advantage for Canada? Cool had a lot of thoughts about this event i yeah i still think uh, you know what i i still i still think in some ways there is um as you can tell because i'm never lost for words <laughs> haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it outside of i don't know if it's i don't know if under the bubble circumstance it's going to be an advantage outside of, you know, there's lots of Western Canadian kids and, you know, being at home, you're probably a little bit more comfortable, but I don't know. Other than the rink dimensions, to me, it almost feels like a neutral site game. It, it is and because, because that's what it's going to be. And, and, you know, what I would say is, yes, you've lost, you've lost, you know, what can be an unbelievable momentum builder but on the other hand, here's what I think about, you know, playing at home now sometimes for these kids. And, and I think we saw some of it in Vancouver a couple of years ago. It's great to be at home, but sometimes it's not so great when the pressure and expectations, you know, goes completely through the roof mm. for these kids. Uh, like, yes, in-game momentum I think it can be a determining factor, but I also think being at home with all the attention and all the focus on them, clearly on them, it's going to feel the same. And it might be a bit of, in in a weird way, it might take some of that incredible pressure. It's probably, it's the only thing, Guy, about the whole tournament I don't like. Yet I love it. And that is, you know, this country puts a lot on those kids. Yeah. And and so I think you know the kids are going to miss that. That I am sad for them, but but it might take a little bit of heat off because hey, as the NHL players expressed, this is a minor hockey tournament in some some ways. It it will have that kind of feel without fans and all the pomp and circumstance that you know normally would go on. Lastly, Pete, I think everybody's expecting Canada to do very well in this tournament. If it's not Canada who comes away with the gold, who is it? Who is the biggest contender next to Canada, in your opinion? Well, you know, because of because of the Swedish health scenario with people like Eklund and, and Carl Henriksen, who was arguably their number one center mm-hmm. um, on the shelf, I think Canada's two best competitors are the Russians. The Russians are very, very good group. And with Ashkarov and Net, mm-hmm. arguably have the best goaltender. Um, didn't necessarily represent. It's the only time he hasn't played well in an international event. I, I thought he looked overwhelmed last year at the World Junior. I don't expect that. I've watched him on on video and on the internet in the KHL. I watched all three of their games when. You know, they won a senior tournament in the Karyala Cup in November 
where he just not only was he good, he just he didn't allow any goals. So that Russian group, that's a really formidable group. And the Americans, between he, the high-end offensive ability, which, you know, losing Robertson and Beecher, especially Robertson, those, those are big losses. Yep. But that is an, that's an excellent American group, probably not as revered or respected as much as maybe they should be on the back end with only one returnee from last year. Yep. But with Spencer Knight and Dustin Wolf in goal, they have the best one-two punch. Yeah. So, listen, nothing will surprise. I expect those four teams to be in the semifinals and, you know, batten down the hatches. Batten down the hatches is a good way to describe it, the exciting this tournament every year. Pete, I really, really appreciate your time. Enjoy Christmas, and uh, let's hope 2021 is a lot better than 2020 was for all of us. Uh, stay safe, my friend. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Bye, Peter Lubardius, the question is, does it get any better than that? And the only acceptable answer is no. What a job. Pete Lubardius is a uh, good friend of the show, longtime supporter of the program, and always a treat when I'm able to uh, track him down for a few minutes of time. And <laughs> I don't, he doesn't mind going long, which is awesome because uh, everything he, uh, he shares with us is terrific. Hey, if you have an answer to that, uh, that trivia question we were talking about, why did the Gretzky era world junior team wear a blue maple leaf? Uh, let us know. Cause I, I don't have the answer to that. You know how to follow me on Twitter. It's at TPS underscore gee. And uh, to uh, track down Pete, Tag him in the, your replies as well. You can find Peter on Twitter at Fan960Lou, L-I-U, Fan960Lou, and uh, let us know. You can educate us. But uh, great job once again by Pete Labardius on uh, Team Canada, and he talked about how he's expecting Kirby Doc and Dylan Cousins to be the leaders. I'm, I think there's a good chance it's going to be somebody who might not be getting all that attention right now. And the first name that comes to me is Peyton Krebs. I think this is the tournament Peyton Krebs breaks out and becomes a uh, a household name. 19 years old now, didn't make the team last year. I think there's motivation there. He's obviously going to be playing. Everybody's going to be playing with a talented guy on their uh, lines this year because the team is so deep. But I think Peyton Krebs could be that guy. I think Connor McMichael could be that guy. I think Phil Tomasino might also be a breakout player this year. Alex Newhook, potentially. So, I mean, there are so many candidates, let's be honest. Heck, would it even shock anybody if Bowen Byram was this team's leading scorer? You know he's going to be on the power play all the time. He's going to play a ton. So maybe that's a trivia question. You can, or I'll make it a poll question. But let me know on Twitter as well, at TPS underscore Gee. One more team to look at. Two more guest segments this week. We've already looked at Russia. In previous weeks, we uh, tackled the United States and Sweden. Well, what about the Finns? Yuni Niemanen, he's up next here on the Pipeline Show. And up comes Trankovic. He's got speed. Trankovic, breakaway to the backhand. Scores! Max Trankovic is second of the season, and it's 2-1. I'm Maxim Trankovic of the St. John Sea Dogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. 
Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Kneel before Zod! We're back on The Pipeline Show, and we'll continue on with the uh, 2021 World Junior Preview. We've uh, looked this week at the uh, at Team Russia as well as Team Canada. Last week we did Sweden. The week before that was the United States. Now we're going to tackle Finland, and uh, that means for, uh, he's telling me it's over a decade now, Yoni Niemann. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show, Yoni. How are you? I'm I'm really good. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think it's the twelfth time I'm on the show. Twelfth wow. year. I started. I was only fifteen years old when we started this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you were just a kid. Yeah. That's right. Fresh yeah. out of the sauna. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you always provide so much information on the Finns that uh, we have to keep getting you back on. Uh, and this year's team. Well, how would you describe this year's team uh, that's uh, here now in Edmonton getting set for the World Juniors this year? I know there's lots of good players. We'll go by position, but do you get an overall sense of how good this team is compared to maybe the last three or four years for the Finns? Uh, Well, I think the interesting thing is about this newer generation of Finns. Well, I guess in this tournament, Finns always go to win. Like, you know, it used to be kind of like, Finland was kind of happy to just be there, maybe run for a medal. Right. But now, like these, these the junior team has always gone out there. To, the uh, the goal is to win the damn tournament, and and I, I don't see anything changing for this year. Um, you know how often, uh, whenever Canada goes to international games, one of the bigger topics is uh, who who was not picked to the team. Sure. And uh, interestingly, this time that was almost a bigger. News than than uh, than who was picked. Um, there was a big surprises. Two players, especially who had pretty big roles last year, uh, Artur Ratu and Patrick Puistola were both both left out. And uh, and that's just uh, like when we were looking at who's going to play bigger roles on the bigger lines on this team, we immediately thought that those guys would be. Even though, like as you know, Artur Ratu was. Uh, was a uh, kind of prospect for a very high draft pick for next summer, but mm-hmm. I guess he hasn't had a very good season, and uh, he, he's not number one on uh, at least on a lot of European scouts uh, lists anymore. And uh, Karapatinolo, the Finnish league team that he was on, they they've had him play on their junior team. Wow! So it's uh, I'm not sure what's what's going on. Like, of course, we all know uh, development of hockey players is now a linear straight line like sometimes you kind of take a step back and sometimes sometimes you take a big step forward so anyway the uh, the coach of uh, the Finnish team uh, Antti Pennanen he's one of the best coaches in Finland and at the same time younger fella so he's one of the bigger uh, bigger uh, coaches for the future um, he uh, he was an assistant with Jukka Jalonen in 2016 U20 Team that won the gold, and also uh, on the on the men's team in 2019, who won the gold in the world championships. And of course, Jukka Jalonen is probably if there's one European coach that 
is closest to an NHL job. Uh, we haven't seen one for what, 20 years mm-hmm. since even Linka and Alpo Suhonen. And, uh, but um, I guess it's not, uh, not that easy. That's a different topic for another day. But, uh, anyway, Antti Pennanen, who's coaching these kids here in Edmonton, uh, he was, uh, assistant with, uh, with Jukka Jalonen, both with the men and the kids before. And he's known as a very good coach for, uh, for uh, younger players, especially, so Finland should be in uh, in a very good uh, good hands here. And also, there's another big name that's not here is uh, Detroit Red Wings draft pick uh, in the Vancouver draft, uh, Antti Tuomisto. He's playing, <coughs> excuse me, in the NCAA mm-hmm. uh, in Denver, I, I believe. And yeah. uh, but they're they're not playing right now, so he hasn't played all season, so that's why we're not going to see him. And that's a big. Uh, a big uh, loss for Finland. Uh, you know, Detroit, uh, you know what they are, they're drafting, they're, they're smart. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, I think that kid might be another one. There's another kid on this team as well. I, that we might surprise people, but that's a big loss to Finland because I think as far as defense go, this team doesn't have the really big, uh, moving mobile defensemen who can play tough as well at the same time. They might get by with some other. Ways, but uh, and there's another kid, uh, Ivar Rasanen, who also uh, been uh, one of the trusted D-men on the, this age group, uh, the 2001 guys. And the same thing, he's playing for the I don't know if I can say it, Queenie Pack or something. Right. <laughs> and same thing, he's not uh, he couldn't be considered because he hasn't played. So uh, uh, so the the defense on this team. Uh, maybe lacking a little bit toughness and, and you know being difficult to play in their own end. But uh, overall, I think Team Finland here is uh, it has a lot of everything, and it's like I'm trying to answer your question here. <laughs> uh, it has like a wide wide material, I guess you could yeah. say. Okay, well let's let's well, we'll get to the uh, the roster in a sec. First off, you're covering the tournament. Uh, where will people be able to follow what you're what you're doing? What who you're working for right now? Uh, okay, I. Uh, well, I'm covering the tournament, uh, same as the Stanley Cup. I'm one of the few that are actually in the building. I don't know if that's much of a, much of a, with the virtual interviews and that, uh, much of a benefit. But it's, uh, I love watching hockey. I think hockey should be li- had live. So I'll be in the, in the building. I'll be covering it for a Helsinki Sanomat newspaper. And, uh, I do an NHL blog on uh, Nordic Bet as well. And, uh, but it's all in Finnish, obviously. Yes. <laughs> I know Finnish people listen to this. But. People can follow you on Twitter, Onside with Yoni. Yeah, it's J-O-U-N-I is uh, how you spell your name. So Onside with Yoni. Uh, and uh, then you, you'll put all the links up there, I'm assuming, and people can go uh, read it oh, yeah. uh, from there and do all the translating and stuff online. Uh, so people will still be able to to uh, read your stuff. All right, let's look again. back. Let's go back to the defense. And as you mentioned, it's not that big. There's only one guy in Matthias uh, Raniemi. Uh, I butchered that already, but six foot four. Everybody else is six foot or smaller, I think, uh, pretty much. So this isn't a very big blue line. Uh, how would you describe them? Yeah, that's exactly it. Like they're they're not very big. Uh, uh, they they don't have the the physicality maybe, but uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of finesse and and like you're looking at the the Heinola kid. He has played uh, already played in the NHL eight games, so he probably has the biggest biggest pressure in, in that respect. I would think uh, because he's the guy who has to run the power play, and if if he doesn't do it well, Finland's going to be trouble. But uh, 
But I uh, understand in the Finnish league he's played a lot better lately, like uh, very much of a Finnish player, not a big guy. But uh, already, like I said, a year ago, played eight games in the NHL, has his first goal already, a first points. So uh, there's this one kid. There's one kid. His uh, name is Emil Viro. Yep. Another Detroit pick. Uh, and I understand he, he might be even the best demon on this on this team if, if the coaches let him play enough and he gets enough, uh, if they trust him enough. He's uh, a two-way defenseman, very good skater, very good with the puck, has a lot of grit, and, and he can play special teams. And, and, and he can play like 25 minutes if he has to. So there's... That's one player I, I really want to keep an eye on. Uh, of course, there's uh, the Skokkonen. He's Toronto pick, if I remember correctly. He's played in the uh, Finnish league already three years, so he's basically not a big guy, but, uh, but we'll see how, how much uh, his talents will take him in, in this tournament. Yeah, very experienced, though, already. And is uh, is the Finnish league uh, like in Sweden, where the young guys might not get the ice time they would normally get, or... Do they get more opportunity than they might in Sweden, do you think, as a young player? Compared uh, to Sweden, I'm not sure. I, I'd say probably younger kids will play a little more. Okay. Yeah, it's a little different year, but uh, but yeah, I'd say probably might get a better chance to play. A lot of these guys play play full uh, time. Some of them play part time, and some guys might be in junior, but uh, mostly Finnish league players. When it comes to the uh, the goaltenders on the team. Uh, is there a clear-cut starter for you? I know uh, Joel Blomquist is, is probably a, a name that a lot of people would recognize, but uh, with the other goaltenders there, who is the number one guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Joel Blomquist, like, if we look at maybe NHL potential, he would be the, the biggest potential player. I'm pretty sure he would be the starter. Like Finland doesn't really have a very, very, very strong goaltending department at this time, but... Uh, but of course, on the, on the other hand, since game has never uh, never fallen with the golden. Like golden has never been the weakest link. So right. So it's something that uh, you can almost kind of always kind of trust the Finland's going to do well. Uh, now, overall, the uh, the forward group for uh, Finland. Uh, I mean, there are a couple of obvious uh, standouts. Anton Lundell, who's having such a fantastic season uh, right now. This is a guy who could, because of how much ice time he's going to get, could be one of the leading. Uh, scores in the entire tournament. Uh, what does he mean to this team? Yeah, Anton Lundellia, he's, uh, he's uh, the um, Florida Panthers pick and uh, from the mighty Helsinki IFK. He's, he's uh, the straight up biggest star probably on this team and might mm. be one of the best forwards in the whole tournament. And uh, he might be a guy who's pretty much, he's pretty much ready to get to the NHL once the, uh, the season's over. So there's a guy who plays with a lot of confidence. He's got Pretty much uh, got pretty much everything you can you can you can hope for. Well, he's got 20 points in 17 games playing in the men's league, yeah. so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's probably the number one guy. And there's there's a few others. Uh, well, I guess the Canadian media is going to be interested in uh, of course a kid who's just going to turn 17 before the tournament, Brad Lambert. Yep, and uh, he's a he's a product of. Uh, Finnish mom and, uh, and a Canadian uh, Canadian hockey player, I guess, originally, uh, Ross Lambert from Saskatchewan, whose brother, so this kid's uncle, Lane Lambert, also played pro hockey and I, is uh, assistant coach with the New York Islanders right now. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, an interesting uh, back, background with this kid. And, uh, he's right-handed, uh, 
center. He might he might be playing playing wing as well, but he's considered uh, um, somebody who might get drafted first overall in 2022. But it's a long ways to go. But uh, yeah, we'll see how how that goes. Yeah, turns 17 just before the tournament here. Uh, but he's again back in Finland. He's playing in the men's league and has seven points in 18 games as a right now a 16 year old. That's that's really impressive. Now I know his dad, as you mentioned, uh, played in the WHL with Saskatoon, and the Saskatoon Blades happen to draft uh, this fella as well, Brad Lambert, uh, in the import draft. Do you think there's any chance he comes over and plays in the WHL, or is this guy just? I mean, he's already playing professionally in Finland. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll stay over there. That's an interesting point too. Like I understand he he had some calls from over here originally to uh, join the Canadian program, but he decided to to stay with the Finnish path. And uh, actually, if you if you join the the Finnish Lions, uh, um, the different national teams from early on, like he has done, I think he's got about 37 games already on his uh, record for uh, w- with different national teams. So mm-hmm. that's a it's a very good program, and I uh, that that this kid did, and uh, yeah, he, he speaks English like a like a born Canadian, so he'll be one somebody that, that the, the big media here will be probably talking to, and and he's I'm sure he's ready for it. Uh, very uh, player who plays with a lot of confidence, like he'll he'll do some tricks with the puck, and and uh, he has the guts to to play that way, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Very good skater as well. Uh, Ottawa Senators' second-round pick, uh, Robbie Jarventi, is off to a really strong start this year as well, playing in the men's league. He has 14 yep. points in 19 games. Is this, you know, next to uh, Lundell, is this maybe the, the next guy for the Finns to watch for? Uh, there's, yeah, he's, he's another big forward, uh, Robbie Jarventi. He's a bit of a sniper. He had missed it in one step below Finnish league last year, 23 goals in 36 games. And this year, I understand he's... Projected, if he keeps scoring the way he is, he might get 22 goals. Mm. So that's uh, somebody who might be in the NHL. He might uh, might have time to get into the big rebuild that uh, Ottawa Senators are doing. That this might be another guy that they uh, they they will get a lot of good good use from in the future. Oh, for sure. Uh, Henry Nikkinen is another player uh, who uh, I remember here at the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, in 2018 had a pretty interesting tournament had i think he set a tournament record for points in a single game uh, i believe it was against switzerland maybe i think he had seven or eight points something like that uh, and set a tournament record now uh, since then i don't know that he's really uh taken big jumps forward or anything but is this maybe a tournament where somebody like henry nickenen could uh, break out make a name for himself yeah you you never know you never know like basically one of the strengths of the forward group on this team is the centers. The, all the four centers are big and they're they're strong and they play two way game. So that's uh like Lundel Persin and Nikar and like there's there's a lot of a lot of potential there. So uh you never know. We'll we'll, we'll have to see. All right. Anybody else from the forward group uh, that stands out for you in, in terms of guys we should be paying attention to or expect that they're going to uh be big performers for Finland? Well there's an interesting kid uh, Samuel Helenius. Um yeah, I think he's six foot six. Oh yeah, big. He, he'll be in the in the lower lower uh, lines, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see like how he's going to get drafted and that. His bloodlines. He's the son of uh, Sami Helenius, okay. who's probably the only Finnish enforcer 
I don't know if you remember, he had a bout with uh, Georges Larocq once, and, and he survived. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, this kid is the same size, and actually his dad was a was a very good player on the on the Finnish junior teams as well before he came over here and and uh, kind of became a, a tough guy. But uh, but this is an interesting kid. He can he can score a lot of goals and. And uh, he, I think he was projected to score uh, like 17 goals this year if he keeps the same same uh, same uh, um, pace. And, and that's that's a lot of goals. Like that's Patrick Leinen level at that point. Of mm-hmm. course, we're not talking about the same type of player, but uh, but uh, since we're telling stories here, like this, yeah, Samuel Hellenius is somebody that. Uh, I know. I'm sure a lot of Oilers fans remember that the dad, sure, and this is son, and, and he can he can play. I understand he he plays tough too, but but uh, he knows how to play. So yeah, that's somebody somebody I would look at uh, well, as well. Well, of course, uh, uh, Parsinen, Yusuf uh, Parsinen, he's somebody who plays with the former Oiler Lauri Korpikosti on the same line in uh, in the Finnish league. So that's somebody who might uh, he. He might have a little bit bigger role. We'll see. We don't know, but uh, okay. But uh, late round, round pick, but he might be somebody also to kind of keep an eye on. All right. Do you think uh, with no fans and uh, nobody in the building, do you think there is any sort of home ice advantage, or is this tournament all one big neutral site uh, event? That's a good question. Um, I think it'll be just one big uh, neutral site, and I don't think like usually Canada when we play in Canada. Canada has a huge advantage of uh, having crazy fans in there, and right. and I guess it works the other way around. If you, if you say if you go to Finland, and, and but on the other hand, then uh, maybe they don't feel the same type of pressure. That's a good question. I I don't know. I I think uh, I watched probably 50 games of the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and finals, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I I'd say no. Like I I think we're we're an even, even Stephen, even uh, keel here. Well, and that'll make it an interesting tournament. Uh, what, what are your expectations for Finland? Do they come away with a medal? Uh, yes, I, I say it's, it's always. You never know. Like one one year they played really poorly, they fired the coach in the middle of the tournament. Yes. And then the, another year they win the whole thing when they were not really expected to. So it's a tournament that, as you know, things happen real quick. You know, you could be in, or you could be a hero or zero in a matter of minutes, and <laughs> and uh, the. The games go up and down. That's, that's a, the, the beautiful thing about junior hockey. And uh, but I, I'm sure these guys come here. They want to win it. They they say they they come here to win, and uh, they might win. They might medal. Or they might not. That's true. <laughs> but uh, I, I. But you never like you. We always say every year. You never never count off the fence. Well, Yoni, I appreciate your time. Uh, excellent preview for Team Finland. Uh, enjoy the tournament since you'll be able to go and and watch it. Uh, first and uh, have a good Christmas and stay safe. Thank you very much. Same to you. Appreciate it. A fine preview of uh, Team Finland by uh, Joni Niemannen, who uh, used to play beer hockey league uh, games against. That's like uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, well, I was a member of my team, a little community called Blueberry. And, uh, of course, that means our hockey team was called the Blueberry Muffins. Uh, we had a, a mean-ass-looking Blueberry Muffin cartoon uh, as our crest. And uh, Yoni's team was the uh, Spruce Grove, the Fun Timers? I don't know, something like that. But anyway, we used to play those guys all the time. And that's where I first met Yoni, 
And then I started running into him at uh, NHL games while I was covering the Oilers, and he was covering the Oilers as well. And, of course, Edmonton has always had uh, a strong Finnish connection with their players, and it kind of went from there. And then we started getting him on the show to talk about the Finns. I thought it was seven or eight years ago. He says it's like 11 or 12 years ago. Uh, all I know is uh, he's the first guy who turned me on to guys like Amiko Rantanen and why Patrick Laine would be a better player than Jesse Puljujarvi. And so uh, he's uh, he's got valuable insight uh, for, in my opinion, and I like to bring him on the show to talk about the Finns for the World Junior Championship. One more segment to go this week. Brandon Hagel of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, a longtime member of the Red Deer Rebels, made his NHL debut last year as a, uh, a first-year pro. We talk about that, about playing this year in Switzerland to start things off, and we also look back at his time with the Rebels. All of that to close out this week's episode next. Hi, this is Landon Furrow of the Red Deer Rebels. Hi, I'm Connor Bleakley. This is Matt Dumba. Hey, it's Adam Uslop. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hey, this is Grayson Polinchuk. Hey, this is Brandon Sutter. It's Hayden Flurry. Hi, I'm Alex Petrovic. Hi, it's Brent Sutter of the Red Deer Rebels, head coach, general manager, and owner. You are listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Month Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Oh, we are back on the Pipeline Show, and we'll end this week's episode in uh, fine fashion as we're going to chat with a, uh, a former WHL player who uh, made his NHL debut last year. This year, well, he started off uh, playing over in Europe. So lots to talk about with uh, my guest this week, Brandon Hagel. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, this has been an interesting uh, start to the year for you. Uh, maybe we'll start with what's the uh, the latest news. You're back in Edmonton or in the Edmonton area. Are you uh, in Morinville right now? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I'm just back. I live in Leduc, so um, I live with my brother out there. So I'm just kind of in quarantine, kind of hanging out, just waiting to hear what what my next step is. Okay, I didn't know it was Leduc. I thought it was more. You grew up in Morinville, though, right? I grew up in Morinville. Yeah, my parents are still from there. Okay, but you get to live with your uh, brother right now in quarantine. I was going to ask about what that uh, situation is like, too, coming back from Europe. But maybe let's start with the hockey. And uh, when did you know that you were headed over to Switzerland to to start this year? How did that all come together for you? Uh, It was just kind of my agent asked me if I wanted to go play in Europe. And I I definitely thought about it. And I thought it would be a pretty cool experience and definitely helped me out in the long run. So... Um, that's kind of how it just came up, and I obviously said yeah, and then he got in contact with me that there was a few teams. I had no idea where I was going until like a week before I was leaving, to be honest, but uh, I'm happy um, where I ended up. 
Well, interesting. I, I wasn't sure if it was the Chicago Blackhawks that set that up or if it was your agent. Or was it both uh, and just the agent was the one who kind of filled you in on? Yeah, I think it was just more my agent. I, th- I didn't think, I don't think Chicago is really uh, looking for a place for many guys to go. Um, it was kind of just up to you in in a sense. And uh, obviously they're happy that I was, uh, that I wanted to go over and do that. But uh, it was definitely more of my decision. It's funny that you didn't know where you were going. It was just more important about going somewhere and playing. It didn't really matter where it was. You just needed to, to keep playing. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, taking eight, nine months off or whatever it, it was, I think uh, it just would have been good to get, kind of get back into the game a little bit and uh, almost prepare myself for camp whenever that whenever that's supposed to be. Now, you ended up uh, going to Switzerland, and you played for Fix the Pronunciation for me. Is it Thurgau? Yeah, yeah. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was a super cool experience. Uh, never been over to Europe uh, before, so to be able to do it in Switzerland, that was awesome. And, uh, I mean, the the team and organization was great to me and treated me really well, and uh, I really, really enjoyed my time over there. Now, I know there are a few different leagues uh, in Switzerland. There's the NL, and Thurgau plays in the SL. So is that sort of like the AHL? Is it like the American League for the NHL, kind of? Yeah, that's what it would kind of be like necessarily over there. All right, well, 15 points in 14 games, so obviously having some success there. Uh, were you playing with uh, with or against some other familiar faces? I can pull up some of the names, guys who were in the league. Tyler Benson, I see. Uh, Euler and former Vancouver Giant was over there as well, but uh, some familiar faces for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was kind of only the really the familiar face over there um, that I knew, to be honest, but... Uh, I had another guy, he was playing in the NLA, but he's from Switzerland. Actually, he played on my team, so he was able to help me out with a few different things when I got there, which was nice. Uh, different ice surface, bigger, or, or were they playing what we would call North American ice? Yeah, no, it was definitely bigger ice, that's for sure. <laughs> so is that uh, takes a little getting used to? Uh, yeah, definitely. They play a little bit of a different way down there, which uh, obviously you have to with the ice being that much bigger, so things are going to be a little bit different so it took a little bit to get used to but uh i mean it's definitely a lot of skating well i don't want to uh, get too technical but how is it different for you as a player with different systems and things or different responsibilities how does that work i i just think like the ice is so big so uh it's more of like a trap kind of in the neutral zone and uh just the way you play in the neutral zone and uh in the, in the d zone and stuff the ice is so much bigger so i mean you got to be in the right place at the right time and uh, different systems, obviously, and like I said, the ice is big, so maybe some guys are swinging when usually you're not too, just little things like that, kind of, but uh didn't take too long to get used to. Interesting. Brandon Hagel, uh, formerly of the Red Deer Rebels, now with the Chicago Blackhawks organization. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, take me back to last season, your first as a, a full-time pro player, 31 points in 59 games. You also got the call-up to Chicago a couple of times, I believe, uh, during the course of the season, but when you look back at last year, how how'd it go as a pro, your first year as a pro? Yeah, obviously it went uh, pretty well. I mean, better than I expected, um, to be honest. Uh, just kind of being a free agent, I mean, everyone looks at going into their first year pro and kind of calculate, calculates their, their style and when they kind of want to make the jump to the NHL. And I was uh, fortunate enough to get my opportunity last year. Um yeah, I mean, I can't 
not not sure what to say about it. I mean, it just went really well and uh, everything kind of went right. But I mean, uh, second year's a new year and uh, I just got to keep moving forward. Well, interested that you you said you kind of surprised yourself with how how well it went. Nineteen goals, thirty one points in fifty nine games. You surpassed your expectations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was just kind of going in there to uh, just play my play the way I know how to play and what makes me successful. And uh, every like I said, everything was kind of just going the right way. And uh, yeah, not much not much more to it. Than that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I seem to recall that you were called up once and didn't get actually get into a game, and then you were called up later in the year and and did play. Is, is, do I have that correct, or am I remembering it wrong? Yeah, I think I was called up like three, maybe four times. To oh be wow! Honest. Um, yeah, I think there was a few times that I was called up and didn't play, but uh, I think with that happening, I think it benefited me in the long run. I mean, I was going up and for a few days practicing, getting to know everyone, and then when when the time finally came, I mean, I was just kind of used to everyone in the dress room, the staff and everything. So definitely got got the nerves out early by being able to practice and meet everyone plenty of times before I play. Maybe that's why they do it that way. I don't I don't know. Rockford, not that far from Chicago, right? Yeah, it's only like 45 to an hour. Okay, so I mean the travel back and forth. Maybe that's uh, maybe that comes in works in your favor or into the organization's favor where they can move players uh, in and out uh, for uh, get your feet wet a little bit before they throw you right into an NHL game. I don't know, you know, when you you say you got the nerves out quick when you first walk into the the NHL dressing room. Maybe you're there in training camp and stuff, but as a member of the team, I would think it's it's tough not to look like fanboy. And where you're just kind of gawking around at all the other NHL guys, how long does it take before you feel like you belong there? Yeah, I mean, um, I think as the years go on, when you're pro, I mean, I've kind of been, uh, I went to camps in Buffalo a couple of times. So, I mean, it was like my fourth year or third year. I can't really remember kind of going into a dressing room right like that and uh, seeing those top end players. Definitely at the start, you look at some of them and you're like, wow, I, um, these people are my idols, but uh, yet again, it's it's just kind of a thing you kind of get used to just going and go. It's like you're just another game kind of thing. And um, but definitely at the start, it was definitely a, a fan type of thing. But uh, you gotta gotta put your mind aside for that one. At one point, do you look across the room and see Kirby Doc and think to yourself, "Hang on." I'm older than that kid. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I belong here too. I suppose is that one way to look at it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I kind of knew. I, I've known Kirby for a while now too. Um, just kind of playing in Fort Saskatchewan growing up. So yeah, uh, that definitely helped that way as well. The first time you were called up and and uh, you were notified, that's got to be a thrill uh, when you get the you know the, uh, how does that work? You get called into the coach's room or something, and uh, you know who tells you. Uh, it was kind of like we were in uh, actually Grand Rapids and, uh, I believe we had a game the night before and then we had the, the day off the next day. So I was actually sleeping and, um, my hotel phone rang and it was like the, it was like the assistant GM down, um, down in Rockford and he was just like, call, uh, Bernie, which is the general manager of, uh, the ice hogs and I called him and then he told me that I was getting called up and I was just like just waking up and I was like oh my gosh and he's like you got to go to get a rental vehicle and then drive down to Detroit and then you're gonna fly out of there I was like okay so 
next thing you know, I was there flying to Toronto the same day. Nice. And then you don't play, and then it happens two or three more times. So when you know you finally get to play after the fourth call up, when you got called up that fourth time, were you thinking, okay, well, I don't want to get my hopes up too much, or did you have some sort of inkling that you would actually finally get to dress? Uh, I wasn't too sure to be honest. Um, like like you said, it's happened a couple of times, so I was just kind of going. I mean, uh, it's a dream come true either way. Getting called up, I mean, obviously I want to get that game, but. Uh, I knew if I kept working, uh, the good things would happen. But uh, there was someone that got injured the night before, and obviously, most of most of us saw that. Um, so I kind of had a good feeling that I was uh, that I was going to play. But I, like I said, I wasn't too sure, so I wasn't saying much until I got the the word for sure. So the NHL game that you did play, home game or a road game? It was home. It was actually the day before. Um, the NHL shut down. Oh so I wow! Played and then the next day the NHL shut down. And I basically went home. Uh, who was it against? Uh, San Jose. What do you remember from that night? What's you know what's the lasting memory that you have? First thing you think of? Uh, it's got to be the national anthem. I mean, uh, it's pretty crazy in that building and yeah, uh, with that many people and yeah, it's it's ridiculous to be honest. I remember tweeting about that that night uh, from Morinville to the Madhouse, uh, and it must have felt like, you know, it's it's not all that long ago you were in the WHL, and here you are at the NHL. It goes by pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my junior career felt flew by, and uh, I mean, I'm grateful to be able to play in the WHL for that many years, but man, did it go by fast. Have to ask you about your WHL time. All of it spent in Red Deer, one organization. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe you were drafted, so you were listed by the Rebels. They obviously uh, had a lot of faith in you to be able to play four seasons in the league and all with one organization. That's almost rare to this point, and uh, that's that's got to be pretty special for you. Yeah, super special and grateful. I can't thank the Sutter family enough. I mean, they treated me so well there since day one that I was going there. And to be able to play under under that name for four years, I mean, definitely got to me, got me where I am today. Well, uh, what are the lasting memories that you have from your time as a Rebel? Uh, I don't know. I had some pretty good billets um, down there, but also just, just the rink and the facility and the fans i mean you're playing in front of three four five thousand people a night i mean that's pretty special not many places get that on average and uh just the rink itself was uh was super cool i mean i can't i just i just love red deer to be honest it was a super cool place to me they just upgraded the building again too by the way i don't know if you've seen the pictures but no green seats anymore they're all Nice yeah, shiny yeah, black no, seats. I yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I was uh, told to ask you about uh, the week you spent one night in uh, Hood River, and I jokingly say a week because it probably felt like that. But what was that adventure like? Yeah, it was definitely ridiculous. I mean, we kind of just got there and we pulled over, and no one really knew what was kind of going on. I think it was uh, pretty late at night when we got there, and everyone's obviously starving. Um, because everyone knows you'll get pizza when you get to the hotel that late. But uh, um, we just kind of sat there, and uh, I mean, I got pretty lucky. We have this—they uh, call it the um, banger at the back of the bus, which is like uh, basically the twenty-year-olds make like a big bed at the back, and we get to sleep. So I mean, 
wasn't too bad on me, but I'm sure all the rookies at the front doubling up, having to spend a night in Hood River, it, it wasn't that good. But, uh, yeah, we ended up staying there for a full night. But, I mean, when we woke up in the morning, we had McDonald's right there. So, I mean, breakfast is pretty good, stuff like that. So, I mean. For people who don't know the, the circumstances, what what led up to that? Was it a bus malfunction, something like that? No, I think it was just like the roads were closed because the weather was so bad. Right. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I didn't really get the gist of why we couldn't go, but I'm guessing it was just because the roads were super, super bad is what I know of so far. So That travel in the WHL, uh, I mean, the, you talk to your teammates uh, now, the guys who came from the OHL or maybe played college hockey, nothing like the what you experienced as a WHL player, right? Yeah, they think we're crazy. They, yeah, I think like like uh, most of them, they're just. I think they have like a one. They might stay over like once a year or something, or just usually day trips and coming home. Which, I mean, I don't mind the road trip, so I think they're missing out a little bit. Uh, Brandon, before I let you go, I should ask you, what's next? Do you have any idea what's next, or you're like like fans, are you just kind of waiting to hear? Yeah, I I I don't know much either. I mean, ever I know as much as everyone else does. It's kind of. Like everyone heard, either the January 3rd training camp and then the 15th season or it's the February 1st season. Um, that's as far as I know. Nothing's really been confirmed, so I'm just kind of sitting and waiting. Well, I really appreciate your time, Brandon. Uh, I certainly wish you the best of luck this year. Hopefully we'll see you in Chicago uh, more often than uh, than we saw just the one game last year. And let's just hope we have a somewhat of a get back to some normalcy when it comes to uh, an NHL season. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Here's Brandon Hagel, formerly of the Red Deer Rebels, uh, now with the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Great example of don't get up if you don't get taken in the WHL uh, Bantam draft. Might it be a midget draft uh, starting next year? Stay tuned. But didn't get taken, was listed by Red Deer, was drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, and then two years later they didn't even sign him. And then uh, picked up by the Chicago Blackhawks as a free agent. Went on to have a 102-point uh, season that year with the Rebels. And uh, is making Buffalo look stupid. And Chicago looking pretty smart right now. Made his uh, NHL debut. What a story, eh? Gets called up three or four times. Doesn't play. Finally gets called up. Gets into a game. And then the season is canceled. Could that have turned into three or four games? Or maybe finish the season with the Blackhawks? Who knows? But that's a guy I'll be following as uh, this season uh, eventually gets going here. You heard him uh, give a couple of different scenarios that he's heard. And you wonder if he'll be in Chicago or if he'll be back in Rockford. Maybe it's a a year where he goes back and forth quite often. Who knows? But uh, I like Brandon Hagel. I've always liked him as a player in the WHL and uh, wish him well and appreciate his time. That does it for this week's episode. Next week, well, the World Junior Championship will be starting. Christmas Day, it is the 17th as I'm speaking with you right now. Pre-tournament games get going this weekend, uh, so obviously that will be front and center. Until then, I really appreciate uh, everybody who signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash thepipeline. Show you a couple of bucks a month, and you have early access to all the interviews that you hear on a, a full episode. I appreciate everybody who has been signing up here lately for that. As for what's on next week's show, well, obviously the World Junior will be front and center if there is a show. I, I haven't determined yet uh, 100% if there will be or not because, you know, with uh, the tournament starting up right away, uh, things might be a little tight for media. Uh, but I will uh, see what I can do 
Uh, but I guess I will put it out there. It's a, there is the potential there won't be a show next week. I will update on Twitter as uh, the next uh, several days unfold. Until then, or until after Christmas, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, have a good one, everybody. I know it's obviously been a, a very challenging year, and this year is going to be different. That's the case uh, with my family as well. I've only seen my mom three hours away, but I've only seen her once since last Christmas, uh, and we won't be getting together this year uh, again. Uh, but give Skype or FaceTime or Zoom or uh, however you contact uh, your distant relatives. Uh, make sure you do that to check in. And uh, I will check in with you, hopefully, next week. Until then, everybody, take care and see ya.